0: So we are in week three of this series called the, uh, "The Burden of Freedom." Pastor Martin has masterfully I honestly think that he should have taught today, but the concept of how to pray, the, the, the concept of what freedom really is. And, and today, uh, I'm hoping through the power of the Holy Spirit and through some great study and some mentoring and guidance by our pastor, that I'll be able to teach to you from the word I mean, we're going to read a lot of scripture. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to read a lot. Look at your other neighbor and say, "We're going to read a lot. And it's so interesting, like, sometimes when you go to, like, conferences, um, there's there's a pastor by the name of Tim Ross, and uh, I I was watching him the last couple of weeks, and he mentioned something that I think is so interesting. Like, we go, whenever you go to the grocery store, do you ever feel that the person bagging your groceries is taking too much time? No, you're like, if you break them eggs, we're going to have to fight and tussle, right? Like, when you go to eat food, and if you're getting, like, a real steak, like, look at your neighbor and say, a real steak like we're in Nebraska, like a real steak, a steak that doesn't have any gray in it, it still has some pink and some red, like when you cut it, it still moves, right? It might take 30 to 40 minutes, but do you ever rush the person that's cooking the food? Why not? Because the end product won't be as good. So today, we're not going to rush the Word of God. We're going to read a lot of scripture, and guess what? You're going to deal with it. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? We're going to read the word because it says that out of this book comes, like, it's it's living water. So this last week, um, I went and bought my first Bible. So I have, like, 10, 15, 20 of them. My parents would give me a Bible, and at the end of the year, they would check to see how much I was reading it, by how much it highlighted, But my mom would check and be like, these highlights don't even map. Like, they don't even make any sense. Like, you're just, like, highlighting the last three sentences. So I got my own Bible, and by the time I'm done with my ministry, I hope this thing, when I open it, it's just, like, high and just, like, purple and pinks and blues. Um, but the reason why I have this today is because I think that we can become so desensitized to the media because you can't switch to another app while this is open. I, I, like, ESPN doesn't go da-da-da. It doesn't do that with this. Right. You you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I can't play Candy Crush when this is open because the word of God is God and God is the word. Like it's this oxymoron that when you open up the word, Pastor Martin teaches us a thing that you can literally ask the text to teach you what it wants you to see. That's the reason why some people can read one passage of scripture for their entire life and get totally different messages every time that they see it. So the point of the kingdom isn't just to ask God for what you want, but to ask God for what you want. Okay, I don't know know who's here. Because sometimes you don't have to pray, you can just crack the book open. Because prayer is kind of like asking my mom for how to do this, that, and the other, or asking her how to cook certain things, but she's already written down all the recipes and I never go to read what she wrote. If I never go back to read what she wrote, what I'm telling her is that the work that she put in here is unimportant. So the reason why the children of God have to not necessarily have a physical Bible, but the reason why you have to know this thing is because what you do Monday through Saturday is more important than what you're doing right now. When you feel depressed, do you know where it is in here? When you feel frustrated, do you know where it is in here? Young man, when you are feeling the sexual temptation, I mean, prayer is great, and people around is great, but do you know how to get before God yourself, open up the word, and say, God, what's going on on the inside of me is not right. I need some regulation, so I'm going to go to the manual. That is the word of God. One of the biggest problems is that every single person, every single one of us can Google or YouTube search a sermon, but we can't find it for ourselves. You can recite John three sixteen 16 with 100 people around you, but if you have to cite it by yourself and find it, we struggle and we stutter. But the crazy thing about our God is that when he wrote this book, there are no commas where there should be periods. There are no periods where there should be commas. Everything that God wanted says yes and amen. Can you say yes and amen? Yes. So we're going to read out of this book today, and uh, I, I think that the same way when I was holding the mic like this, I think that holding the Bible like this is going to be a totally different sermon. You all ready? So we're going to start off. In John 11, 17 through 37. Now, today I'm going to talk about a topic, and, I, and can you give me 45 minutes, please, I, I, and a countdown? That, that would be beautiful. We're going to talk about the difference between freedom and deliverance. Look at your neighbor and say, they're not, the they're not the same. Look at your other neighbor and say, they're not the same. Not the same. Like, being delivered from something and being set free from it, are not, they're not the same. How many of you know in your life that you've been delivered from some things that you're still carrying around the bondage to? I'll I'll raise my hand even myself. Like God delivered me. But how many of you guys know that deliverance takes, that you don't have any part to play in deliverance? When you gave your heart to Christ, what the word says is that if you confess with your and believe in your that Jesus was raised from the dead, then you are Saved. once you did that, God washed you, he redeemed you, he made you a totally new person, and he rewashed your soul. Look at your neighbor. Say, your soul gets saved, but your flesh never does. Your soul, the innermost part of you, the spiritual part of you, is perfect. It's righteous once you give yourself to God. But then afterwards, you can be alive on the inside and walking dead on the outside. So my title this morning is Dead Man Walking dead man walking. Let's go from John 11 and one. Are we ready? Here we go. A man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, say Mary and Martha. They're going to be important once we get to the end of this story. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Everybody goes nuts over this verse, but I'm going to show you in the scripture why what she did was the least important thing in this story. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to who? Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. Verse 4, but when Jesus heard about it, he said what? Lazarus' sickness will not end in what? Death. No, it happened for the glory of God. So some things in our lives that die and rot and stink can actually glorify God. It's ooky spooky season, and, like, we love to, like, think that death is cool when it comes to Halloween, but when God wants to kill something, we think that it's murder. And then when I get the word, I can, like, look, I wish I had some glasses. No, it happened for the glory of God, that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next how long? Two days. But how can we say that God is never late and he's never early if he waited for two days? Because Jesus understood something. You live in time, and you think that how quickly I move shows you how much I love you. But God says, if I move at all, if I don't do anything, I love you in spite of it. That's why when we go to funerals and when when we lose people, people say, like, oh, my faith failed. Your faith didn't fail. Oh, I didn't believe enough. I didn't pray enough. And now my granny is is dead and gone. No, 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 no. You don't use your faith to move God. You use your faith to join God in the work that he wants to do. Oh, this is going to be so good because my toes are t- curling underneath my, in my shoes. So listen to this. Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. It happened for the glory of God, that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Mary, he waited for two days. Finally, he said to his disciples, he says what? Let's go back to Judea. Now listen to what the disciples say. Underline verse number eight. But his disciples objected. Jesus said, let's go. I'm the most powerful being. You see me do all these different miracles. I'm telling you what to do and they do what? Hold up. Listen to what they say. Rabbi, they said, only a few days ago, the people in Judea were trying to stone you. Are you going there again? Jesus replies, there are 12 hours of daylight every day. During the day, people can walk safely. They can see because they have the light on, uh, on, this, on this world. But at night, there is danger of stumbling because they have no light. Then he said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and now, but now I will go and wake him up. Underline sleep and waking up. Verse number 12, the disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon be better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant that Lazarus had died. Write this down. God does not see a difference in between being asleep and being dead. So if you are idle twiddling your thumbs and you're not physically underneath the ground, it's as if your soul is asleep and God sees you as deceased. So if God gave you an idea, if God gave you a book, if God gave you the woman's face in, in, your, in your head, young man, and he, she may not exist, but he gave you the woman that you're supposed to marry and you haven't taken any steps towards it. God basically says that you might as well be dead because you haven't done what I've told you to do. Look at your neighbor and say, being dead. And being asleep are the same thing. So he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad I wasn't there. The man died and you glad you weren't there? Why? Because now you will really believe. Come, let's go see him. Then verse 16, listen to this. Thomas, nicknamed the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let's go too, and do what? And die with Jesus. Sometimes you got some people that will go into battle with you knowing that they're going to die, but it's just about being by your side. Like, we're going to die. Yeah, and? Like, no, no, no. Like, you're not going to be able to make it back home to your wife, your children, and your husband, and your, and your kids. And I'm with you. Because one of the most important things about freedom is that sometimes you got to take some people in with you that don't care if their freedom is taken in the process. Here we go. Point number one. Somebody say point number one. Freedom requires you to wake up. So after this, what happens is, is that the disciples remind Jesus that in Judea, that the people literally tried to stone him. I don't know what it is about the scripture, but every time that Jesus did something good, it was distorted and perverted into something that would cause people to hate him. Jesus would give somebody sight in their eyes and they'd be like, we gotta stone him. Jesus would go to a woman that was beaten and shackled and set her free and they wanna stone him. Somebody didn't have any legs and didn't have any arms, and he would cause them to grow. And, like, and like, he, like they, they, would, they would try to stone him. And I started to think, you know what's really interesting is that in a lot of our lives as Christians, some of the things that we do as good can be ill-spoken of because people don't understand it. I was trying to help. No, you got in the way. No, no you, I was trying to help. I was trying to, to be there for you. And how many of you guys know that sometimes what your intentions are can be misinterpreted? Freedom requires for you to wake up. So Jesus says that Lazarus is sleeping. The disciples say, oh, bet, that's no big deal. We'll go wake him up. But Jesus says that being asleep and being dead are the same thing. One of the most frustrating things in any type of zombie movie is when the person that's looking for the zombie starts to walk rather than run. Isn't that frustrating? Like they're chasing them and like they're like, oh, my God. And they're looking behind them like, bro, you better look, lock in and like take off. Like, what are you doing? And the most frustrating thing is that the slower that they move, it seems like the zombies, like, they don't change their gait, but they always catch them. Have you ever been in a dream? How do you run when you're in your dreams? Super slow. It doesn't matter. You might be running fast, but for me, I'll be booking and the dude be right behind me. And you feel that those hairs on the back of your neck, like, you know, you know the thing? What Jesus wants us to understand is that you cannot be free and be sleep at the same time. So what does sleep look like? Have you ever missed an assignment? Have you ever missed a meeting? Have you ever missed an appointment? How did that make you feel? You wish that you could, like on a computer, go control Z, which means to go backwards, but how many of you guys know that time moves linearly? What Jesus is saying is that sometimes what you think is is what sometimes what you think should be alive and should be flourishing, I've already prepared the funeral for it. So we as Christians can spend our entire life trying to raise from the dead what God has put to sleep. And then we're walking around asking God, like, why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you growing my business? Well, God's like, 10 years ago, I killed it. And you gave it a life serum and brought it back to life. Well, I can't believe I'm in this relationship. God's like, I I killed it. He left you on red for two days. I just thought he wasn't getting back to me. No, no, no. God killed that thing. He was like, it's over with red on day number 10. It's day number 12. But how many times do we go back and resurrect something that God wanted to die? And then once it comes back, I don't know if you guys have seen those movies, whenever they bring something back from the dead, like it's not the same person. It's there alive, but now it's a dead thing that is walking. So then we start to walk around in our lives as Christians, walking around asking why people are running away from us or why opportunities aren't coming to us. And it's because we have been free on the inside, but we're carrying around something that smells bad. Point number two. Somebody say freedom requires your involvement. So it takes some time, and Jesus is walking with his disciples, and he finally makes it to the place where Lazarus uh, uh, is, 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 is laying down. So here we go. Let's read. So Jesus was still angry. We're in the 38th verse. Jesus was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. A cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Verse 39, what does it say? Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. Jesus is frustrated because he told, he's like, hey, I told you I was coming, but you weren't even prepared for me coming. If you would have been prepared and listened to what I told you two days ago when I said I'm coming, you would have prepared as if I was already here. Some of us, we have to prepare for the person to show up before we start to do the things we need to do. How many of you as young people were ever told by your mom to take the chicken out of the freezer? You did it this weekend, didn't you? When I leave for work, I want you to take that steak. My grandma would say, I need you to take the meat. And there's like deer meat, venison, there's turkey, there's beef, there's there's deer. Like meat means anything that, that could either eat you or that you eat. It's meat. Look at your neighbor, say it's meat. She said, I need you to take that meat out of the freezer when I leave the house. When? When I leave the house. Knowing that the meat's supposed to be prepared for dinner, which is later on. at 6 o'clock in the morning, but I need you to take it out now. Because if you follow my directions the first time, the time in between when I told you and when I show up, I'll be able to do the miracle. Because Jesus doesn't wait for you to prepare once he arrives. He doesn't wait. So they're like, man, oh, look at how broken he is, that Jesus is so frustrated that, that Lazarus is dead. No, Jesus is like, you didn't prepare when I got here. I gave you an idea, and now when the microphone is tossed to you, you stutter. I told you you were going to write the book, and then when you bump into that person at Starbucks, and says, hey, send me your manuscript. you got two lines on the paper. Look at your neighbor and say, what are you doing with what God gave you? So here we go. He says, roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for how long? Four days. The smell will be terrible. So wait a minute. We said that two days ago, Jesus got notified that he was going to be there, which means that Lazarus was dead for two days before they even called on Jesus. So they allowed this man to get sick. They allowed for him to be bedridden. And then they allowed for him to die before they reached out to him. Sometimes God can bring things back to life, but it's a lot better when you ask him the first time you see it cough. Sometimes it's better as soon as you see like the gate mess up. Like, hey, this doesn't seem right. God, I need you to come through. Why is it sometimes in our Christian faith that we wait for God to resurrect something that we allowed to die? How many of you have a green thumb? Like you plant something and it grows. How many of you got an acid thumb? It don't matter what it is. It could be a plastic, I've killed plastic plants before, right? Like I kill stuffed animals, right? The difference in between the two is that if you know that every plant that you touch dies, why do we keep buying them? You know that you're not a good singer, so why do you keep trying to sing? Bro, I'm nice with the pen. No, you're not, sir. You should give up your rap career because it's not happening. Man, I love retail, but every time that they ask you to come in and work a double, you get frustrated and then you have anxiety. In the kingdom, you're supposed to do what you're purpose to do and not what you are able to tolerate. So Jesus is like, he's been dead for two days. Like the fact that you called me, I could show up at any point in time because he's not going to get any deader. (laughs) Sorry, that was funny to me. So Jesus responds. He says, didn't I tell you that, I, that, that, that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven. He said, what? What does he say? Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they believe you sent me. What's so important is that before you do a great deed, sometimes you need to give God thanks for the victory before you walk into it. In the kingdom, it's not about who you acknowledge on the stand. It's about who you acknowledge before you walk on the stage. It's not about once you get the Emmy, I'm going to thank my Lord Jesus Christ. That means nothing. What are you doing in your closet? God, I thank you that I'm already standing on the stage. Like, God, I thank you that I'm already there working in my craft, already working in my purpose. Lord, I thank you that everything that I need is already coming to me. Somebody needs to do this right now. God, I thank you that my finance, I have a financier. God, I have an administrative director. God, I have somebody that's helping me with media and all these different things. So like Pastor Martin said last week, you make your decision before you get the limelight because the limelight will change you, not can, it will the girlfriend, boyfriend will change you. Not I'm strong enough to withstand it. No, 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 no. You die once you get into relationships, sir. The job that you ask for right now in our, in our worship time and in our giving time, like that job will change you because as soon as you get a promotion, your faith will be tested. You mean if I work a couple more Sundays, we could get the kitchen done, Vanessa? If I pick up all these different gigs to go and teach in all these other places, regardless of corona, and I bring a sickness to my house, like we could, we could do some things. But the question I think that God has is, I told you I was coming. So just prepare with what I gave you. Stop trying to make a way for me when I am the way maker, the provider, the, the true one and all. Because somebody say amen? Oh, this is getting good. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of the people. Verse 43, I want you to underline this. Listen to this. It says, then Jesus... Shouted, what? Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out. His hands and feet were bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Can you guys come and help me? Vanessa, can you give them uh, the, the, the prop that I asked you to bring? Grave cloths, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, what? Unwrap him. And let him go. Come on, somebody say it. Unwrap him and let him go. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't like put his hands on him and spit on him and ask for like the demon to come out? Because we do this theatrical thing in church. God, let it come out in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. But the one thing that we know about the kingdom is that when you have authority, you only have to say it once. Just like my granddaddy would say. He would say, fly right. He would also say I never chew my cabbage twice he says after I chew I swallow I don't chew I don't I I don't want to say it again because I think that what God wants to know is are you willing to follow what I said the first time so I want to share with you something can can, can I can can I share with you something okay here's 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 the next point the next point is this and this, this is a teaching point so I want you to lean in, look at your neighbor say lean in say freedom requires community True freedom is achieved in the midst of friendship. Because as soon as you are delivered from something, remember, your your soul is changed, but your mind isn't. So you can be be let go from prison or let out of slavery, but still be in in a nine-inch by nine-inch cell in your head or prison in your head. That's why you have to link arms with other people that are free so that when you start to go backwards and revert into that old thinking, some other people can grab you and pull you out of that space. This is why it is so important that if you are dealing with bondage in your life as a human being, you need to find some other people that are free in places where you're bound. Two hurt girlfriends that got cheated on cannot help one another. Girl, he hurt my feelings. Girl, me too. Where y'all going to go? No way. Both y'all broke. Man, let's start a business. (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Man, we're going to get the bread, we're going to make the product, we're going to put it. And you know somebody that, that works in the, in the, in the barbershop, right? Yeah, we're going to push it in the barbershop. My auntie has a nail salon and uh, Fred works at Phil's down, down in North. Oh, man, we're going to push this. We're going to get paid. How? Product doesn't sell products. Strategy does. That's how people are able to sell things that you have never touched in your life. You've never touched or seen an app before, but you've used one on your phone. You have, to be, you have to be in relationship with people who are not bound in the same area that you're trying to get freedom from. So if you have just come to this church and you have just found Christ, you need to join a small group. If you're a young lady, you need to find a, an older woman that's got some years on her, that's been married and has a couple kids and some grandkids. If you're a young man, you need to find an older gentleman with sons and daughters and a wife so that they can help you mature your faith. Because two babies taking care of themselves is a terrible idea. You cannot give your heart to Christ and be delivered from your sin and then you're not free from it. You've been delivered because deliverance takes, it takes no effort to be delivered, but freedom, it, it, it takes a little bit of your involvement. So let me show you something. So in the Jewish and the Hebrew faith, what happens is, is that when somebody gets sick, somebody say get sick, like they begin to wrap them. And sometimes what we call terminal illness now The people, if the person was sick, they realized that touching something that's unholy, I mean, touching somebody that is sick or that is dead would mean that I'm unclean. Remember, we talked about that. And remember, God is what? He's holy, which means that he can't have anything around him that is unholy. And at this time, they believed that if you were sick, if, if, if you were barren, if you couldn't have children, um, um, if, 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 you're, if, if anybody in your family had like a mental disability, if anything was going on in your life that they couldn't connect to the goodness of God, they would say like, hey, we need to do something. So in some cases in the Hebrew faith, they would bury people who were still on their deathbed. They're not dead yet, but they didn't want to touch those folks. And sometimes we take that thought process into the church where we think that people are too sick to be helped. But the funny thing about Jesus is that who did he help? The people that were sick, the people that everybody were, were trying to throw away. So Lazarus dies, and they start to do this Hebrew, this Jewish ritual, where they begin to wrap him. Because there was a couple of reasons why you wrap somebody. In the Hebrew faith, what they believed was that people could be risen from the dead. But what would happen is, is that if a man died and his wife was still alive, the quickest man to get to her would try to marry her. Because as soon as he married her, he got the dead man's possessions. So what they would do is they would wrap the man up before they buried him to ensure that if Jesus came to their town, that if he brought him back to life, that he wouldn't be able to get out. Jesus. So they would begin to wrap men up because they said, if Jesus comes into this town, Lazarus owned some land. Lazarus was not just a man. Lazarus was married. He had land, he had objects, he had possessions, he had all these different things, but they had to wrap him up so that when Jesus came, he was too bound. This is the reason why Jesus isn't afraid of sin because it's just as strong as this tissue paper is. The problem is, is when somebody tells you or when you begin to believe that you are not as strong as the tissue paper or that your God isn't stronger than the tissue paper. So then what happens is that in the, I'm sorry, in in the Hebrew The word for funeral means lavea. Can somebody say lavea? This word literally means to accompany. What this means is that as they would begin to put the person down to rest, they would begin to take things out of their pockets, take things out of their house. They would begin to take things out because they knew now that this person's dead, they can't come back and claim it. But I speak right now under the power of the Holy Spirit that there's some things that counted you out, that wrapped you up, that you're coming back and you're going to open up the tomb and you're going to take hold of it. It's going to hit you in a second. So then what would happen is that they would accompany them and they would lay them in the grave just like this. So I'm dead. Look at your neighbor. Say he's dead. Look at your neighbor, other neighbor. Say he got on out of here. Here we go. So they would lay him. They would lay the man. The man in the tomb. But then the word of God says that Jesus said what? Come out. And what happened? He's been dead for four days. There are some things that you thought that God died that has actually been sleeping. It's not dead. Jesus says, Lazarus, he calls him by name. Because what we have to understand is that nobody gets buried alone. They get buried in the midst of other people. So God calls Lazarus by name because he called him on purpose. The one important thing that we have to understand in the kingdom is that when God named you, it wasn't your first name that's on your birth certificate. It's what he called on the inside of you that he wants to call out. So God said, Jesus says, Lazarus, come, up, come, come out of that place. Look at your neighbor and say, come out of that place. Look at your neighbor and say, come out of that place. Come out of depression. Come out of anxiety. But before Lazarus is able to move, he has to breathe. Look at your neighbor say... The word of God says, go get him. So the same people that buried him, I don't know who this is for, but you're about to get set free right now. The same people that you thought were burying you never left your tomb. They never left. Your grandmama, you thought that she gave up on you and she went to her prayer closet. Your husband or your wife that you thought that you abandoned, you're sleeping in the same bed and you don't think that they're there. They never left. They were just allowing you to get your rest before Jesus came and to raise you up. So Lazarus, come up. Lazarus breathes. And the people that he loves that put him there, pick him up. Now watch this. Help me out. Lazarus is alive. But Lazarus needs help to get out of the place where he was bound. Can you put the scripture up? Then the next part that it says is Jesus told them, told who? Why did he tell Lazarus? Because when you give your heart to Christ, God wants you to focus on your freedom, not breaking the chains off your life. This is why community, church, small groups, having coffee with the woman that you think is too old is so important. Because you should be focusing on getting free, not breaking the stuff off your life. So, the reason why I have friends like Darren and I had somebody like Kylan who was my best man is so that when trouble comes around me, I can keep my focus on breathing and they can come and do what God said. So, as I'm uh, God, I'm staying in your word. I'm God, I want to be where you are. And as I begin to talk, your community begins to rip the things off of you that sometimes you can't even see. And now, God, I need something. God, I need your help. God, I need people around me that are helping me out. God, I need you to give me some clarity. God, I need you to give me some strategy. God, you know what? I'm, I'm frustrated. What's going on? God, I don't understand what's going on in my life. God, why am I in bondage? And then by the time that you open up, your, open up your eyes, you see what was binding you on the ground and the people that love you all around. This is why, this is why when you give your heart to Christ, this is what happens. You have been delivered. But some of us, we take what happened to us. He left me. I'm irrelevant if I ain't got no girlfriends to gossip with. This ball and chain that I'm dealing with in my life, like, I I, I, I need this. I can't forgive them. I have no other reason for living because I don't know my purpose, so I got to talk about people. The only person that wastes their time talking about somebody else that doesn't even care about them, doesn't know who they are or what they're here to do. So then what starts to happen is I'm delivered, but I'm not free. I'm delivered. Lazarus is standing in the tomb still. Dad, can you stand right there on that black X, right there on that black mark? Jesus comes to him. He says, Lazarus, wake up. Lazarus wakes up. They rip the stuff off of him and then go to the next, go to the the next, um, uh, go up one. Go, go, go to like the verse 43. He says, Lazarus, come out. The only instruction that Jesus gave Lazarus was to walk to him. He never said, bring your stuff with you so that you have a reference point of how much the person hurts you. Jesus is doing this. Like, come to freedom. This church, when you come here, it's impossible for you not to be delivered. But it's possible for you to be here and not be free. Oh, my God. It is possible for you. It is impossible for you to give your heart to Christ and to stay de, und, undelivered. Because when you get delivered, it's Jesus putting his hand on you. I'm, I'm, I'm bound. But Jesus puts his hand on you, and that's it. I am delivered in my soul. But so many of us have been delivered. Man, I'm, I, I just love the Lord. But I still smell like fornication. I still smell like defeat. I still smell like manipulation. Isn't it interesting that the the thing that Jesus told Lazarus to do was to move forward while he called his friends to clean up his mess? When you have good community and good relationship, they're not worried about cleaning up your mess because they're already free. And you can't become you can't become a slave to something once you've already been freed. So then this is what happens. Oh my God. Thank you, Father. This is what happens. You become delivered, you take off, and your friends start to say, you know what, we're gonna take this and we're gonna put this in a box. We're going to throw this box in the ocean and we're going to put a lock on that box. Then we're going to go to the deepest part of the ocean and then once we get there, you know what we're going to do? We're going to lock that box, we're going to throw it in the ocean, and we're going to throw it as far as the eye can see so that you never have to come back to this. But the problem is this. If you begin to start handling and if you begin to start putting your hands on stuff that used to bind you, it knows that the hands that are trying to rip it off were the same hands that allowed it to live there. So the question is, if you are in Christ Jesus, and you've given your life to Christ, and you have no friends. You will always be bound. It's just me and Jesus. Jesus was frustrated. Jesus told his disciples fifteen different times, "I will not be with you always. I'm not going to be here." The whole time that Jesus is walking with his disciples, he's preparing them for when he leaves, which means this. Look at your neighbor. Say when anxiety comes. Say when depression comes say when loneliness comes listen COVID is not a joke it's not a sickness it is a spirit that came from hell and I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that it's going to go back to where it came from but the problem is this suicide rates are in the 70th percentile in Omaha just based off of how cold it is outside now you're telling me that we can't see each other Now you're telling me that we can't meet up for Starbucks? Now you're telling me that I can't even have my people over for Thanksgiving? If you don't have any favorite contacts in your phone right now, you need to get busy. Because as soon as you get into that place of loneliness and depression and anxiety, sometimes you can't find God for yourself in the word. But if you have somebody that's free from something that you're bound in, they'll be able to say, no, no, keep on coming, baby. Come on, keep on coming. Well, what about the stuff that's on me? Forget what's on you. Like, keep on coming. You're free, remember? Drop it. You're free. You're free. Because this is the crazy thing about Lazarus. Inside of the tomb, Lazarus, soul. somebody's about to receive their freedom right now in this moment. He is free on the inside of the tomb. He's delivered in the tomb. Everything that was around him is off of him. He's breathing, but he's delivered in the tomb. The only place that you are able to find freedom is in the presence of the king. We do not pray to the father that's in heaven. We pray to the father that's in heaven. Everywhere I go... Heaven walks with me. So it's so interesting. I'm teaching this thing. I know I am. They ain't going to say nothing, but somebody's receiving their freedom. So I just assume if they're being quiet, the Holy Spirit's beginning to break the chains. That's what I'll assume. So Lazarus is standing in the spot, in the tomb, and he is delivered. But Jesus says what? Come out. Come out. You can't beat pornography at 12 o'clock in the morning in your own room with your own Wi-Fi password. You can't. You can't. I'm not, that's, that's not spiritual. That's like evidence, right? You can't beat being a liar when you're li- literally looking for opportunities to manipulate. You can't be taken care of in your finances if you have another checking account that your husband or your wife doesn't know about. So Jesus says what to Lazarus? Come out. Somebody needs to say that right now spiritually. Say, Come out. Lazarus understands something. I'm delivered on the inside of here. I've been dead for a minute, but he was never comfortable with his surroundings in the tomb. Some of us become so comfortable with our prison that stepping on the outside of that, we don't want to deal with the burden of freedom because if I don't have freedom, at least I'll be taken care of in here. So Jesus says what? Come out. And Lazarus, who was a dead man, is now alive. Fully redeemed, fully delivered, and set free. I honestly believe that when you came to this church, when you met somebody, the person, I don't know how you came to know Christ, that there are a lot of us that are delivered, but today we're going to get some freedom. Here we go. I got 13 minutes. I'm going to wrap this thing up. Here we go. Levea means to accompany. So let's go to Numbers 19:11. It says, it's possible to be holy. And to be it's, it's impossible to be holy and to be in contact with dead or sick persons unless you are free. The cool thing about Corona is that if you've got it now, you can't get it again. For now, like that's what the theory is. Somebody say theory. theory. Right. Theory. Like there's like this immunity thing that they're talking about. It's a theory. But in Christ Jesus, you want to know that once you've been broken free of something, you can't catch it again if you're truly free. So now what used to make you sick, you can walk into that place and pr- command freedom among sick people. Well, aren't you afraid that you're going to like start drinking again? No, I'm free. Right, right, right. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> aren't you afraid that you're going to have suicidal tendencies again? No, I'm I'm, I'm free. Aren't you afraid of the weed smoke being in your clothes? Like, no, I remember what it smelled like, but now I don't even have the taste in my mouth. So, like, the theory is that if God is the antivirus and he took care of the sickness on the inside of me, when I walk into that place with people that you call infected, but I just see that they haven't had an opportunity to meet him, like, it's just another opportunity for me to share with them what Christ did on the inside of me. Because the crazy thing about the the antivirus, right, or the antidote is that it's nothing. It's not me. It's what's on the inside of me that made me free. God's like the most amazing Robitussin you've ever had in your life. <laughs> Point number four. Somebody say freedom requires an audience. So after this happens, the, the Jews, like, have already been plotting to kill Jesus, but now they're about to, like, get, like, some structure. Right? Like, it's one thing if somebody, like, does a drive-by. That's one thing. But if somebody sends an assassin to get you, like, that means that they, have some, they, they were like, we want you gone. Right? Verse 45. It says, many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. Underline that. When you give your heart to Christ, people will believe him just based off of the freedom that you now have. So witnessing is great. But you witness to people just in being free. Because look at your neighbor and say, you're not dumb. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not dumb. Like, you can see somebody when they're really struggling with something. We're spiritual beings. Some people call it vibes and vibrations, but it's the Holy Spirit giving you a third eye to see like, hey, there's something going on with this person. So that if you can tell if somebody's been bound, you can easily tell if they've been free. You want to know what it sounds like? It sounds like you, there's something, I don't know what it is, but you just seem different. You, you, you seem happier. Like, 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 what's going on? And that's another opportunity for you to share. So many of the people who were with Mary believed in Jesus when they saw this happen. But some, somebody say some. Some went to the Pharisees. Remember the Pharisees, I taught about this before. The Pharisees are a specific group, subset of Jews, that their job is to prove the word. So if Jesus says something, if the word says something in the word, like they have to prove it. And if they can't prove it, then they like, it's not, it's not law. They are the keepers of the law. Remember, they are the keepers of the law. Saul was a keeper of the law. Remember, Pharisees, and they told them what Jesus had done. Then the leading priests and Pharisees called the high council together. What are we going to do? Because as soon as you get free and somebody realizes that they no longer have power over you, they got to figure out another way to get this around you again. What are we going to do? They asked each other. This man certainly performs many, many, many miraculous signs. My finger is over it. Thanks, mom. Verse 48, underline this. If we allow him to go in like this soon, who? Everyone. Some people. Two people. Just Rome. Just China. Just the Native Americans who were on this land a long time ago, right? No, just like the fish to the sea. No, who? Everyone will believe in him. Then the Roman army will come and destroy both our temple and our nation. Caiaphas who who was the high priest at the time, said this, underline this, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't realize that it's better for you that one man should die for the people than for the whole nation to be destroyed. Caiaphas was right, but he was half right. You know what I mean? It's kind of like when you say we use mouthwash to make our mouth taste, like to make our our breath smell good. Yeah, but it's really to take care of that plaque and that tartar in the back of your throat. That's what it's for. Caiaphas was right because he said that It's better for Jesus to die for all of us than for all of us to die. But his reasoning was wrong. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross to save your sins, you're wrong. I I thought I was at AWC, Darren. If you think the sole purpose of Jesus dying on the cross was for your sin, then you're wrong. Because we recite it every time at Christmas. For God so loved my sin that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved my addiction that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved my lust." That he gave his own. For God so loved my anxiety and my depression. No, no, no. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, period. That whosoever believes in him, it's the second part, which means that it's not necessarily not as important, but it's not the purpose of why he was here. The purpose of you getting saved is so that you can be like Jesus and be injected back into the world that you want to get, get out of so quickly. The reason why the education system makes you upset is because I believe that God has given you strategy to make it better than what it was. The reason why you can look at a family that is broken and distraught is why you go into counseling and therapy. Because you know that prayer is great and and, and talking about the word is awesome. But we need to supplement sometimes with some community. Let me share with you why the word said that. This is why we have teachers. Who in this room can teach themselves quantum, quantum physics? It's the truth, but sometimes you need somebody's eyes to help you begin to navigate the truth. So listen to this. So from that time on, the Jewish leaders began to plot Jesus' death. Verse 54. As a result, Jesus stopped his public ministry. Long story short, Jesus stops his public ministry, and we, begin, like we, we misinterpret this verse, Pastor, because people think that Jesus went into hiding because he found out that people wanted to kill him. But before Jesus was sent into the earth, God told him the whole plan. You're going to die on a cross for their sins. So any other threat that wasn't dying on a cross, he wasn't afraid of. So Jesus didn't go into hiding. Jesus was following the assignment that God gave him. This is why it is so important as Christians and for us to become mature, you have to understand the importance of rest. If you are on all the time and you're on all the time for the wrong people, you'll be off for the ones that really need you. If you are on and you're able to perform nine to five at work, but then when you come home, you put your daddy hat on, on, the, on the shelf and you just play Xbox, you're missing your true assignment. You have, to put, you have to put and conserve your energy and preserve your inner strength for the people that matter. Look at your neighbor say, the people that matter. Here we go. Point number five. Look at your neighbor say, you can't eat and be dead. Look at your neighbor and say, you can't eat and be dead. Verse 12, one, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served and Lazarus was what? Among those who ate. In Jewish custom, after somebody dies, you sit Shiva. It's six to seven days that you literally sit in the home and you just think about the person. Then you're supposed to have a meal afterwards. And then once you're done with that meal, you wash your hands and you don't allow, you allow them to air dry just to basically say like, I'm leaving the land of the dead and into the living. Isn't it interesting that Lazarus is now sitting at the dinner that was supposed to be celebrating his death? Isn't that crazy that now Lazarus is sitting at the table that was supposed to have an empty seat because that's how they would show honor to the person. I honestly believe that for some of you in the places that you were counted out, you're going to show up to the table and the people are going to be confused. Wait a minute. I thought we killed you. I I, I thought we took you. I thought we took you out. I thought when we took out your grandmother in 80 that you were going to stay in your depression forever. Like, what do you do? Look at your neighbor and say, what are you what are you doing here? Like, what are you? I thought we killed you. And now you're eating at the table that we're supposed to be celebrating you at because sometimes people aren't celebrating that you're dead. They're celebrating that you're never coming back. I'm trying to help them. I'm trying to help them. Sometimes people that celebrate the thing that died aren't celebrating man that lived such a great life. Sometimes what they're thinking is now I don't have to plan because I was there when they were doing the strategy. I know where their notebooks are. I was the one that gave them all those ideas. I was just too afraid. But now that they're dead, now I can do it. So Lazarus is sitting at the table, eating with Jesus. And the people around them are confused. And this man's going crazy. I don't know what they were eating. But he's, he's eating everything. Because the cool thing about being in the kingdom and being in this thing called the kingdom lifestyle is that you're supposed to live like you're already there. So when you go into the boardroom, when you sit down, you should act like, yeah, I was supposed to be here. Nowhere in these chapters, nowhere in these verses do we ever hear that Lazarus doubted Jesus. There was no discussion between Jesus and Lazarus. It's almost as if Lazarus knew when, I, when he died, like, this can't be it. God told me that I was supposed to be sitting at a table eating dinner with him. So if I die now, that means he has to raise me up. Look at your neighbor and say, remember what God told you? Then Mary. Somebody say, then Mary. This is the part that everybody sings. Everybody loves this song. Cece sung her behind off, but it was lackluster when you read the word. Then Mary took 12 ounces jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it. Cool. Wiping his feet with her hair. Bet. The house was filled with the fragrance. Awesome. Verse 4. But who? Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, and said, underline verse 5. That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Now, it's really funny what John says here. Listen, John says not that he cared for the poor. Because remember, John was a disciple. So hes I don't know why he puts this in here, but he wants to make sure that we know that like Judas was a terrible person. Which kind of means that every single person that you have in your tribe, you need to make sure that they're all qualified. You can't hear what I said, go find friendship and then go find the wrong person and then hurt you and be like, that church told me the wrong information. No, 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 no. I said find somebody who isn't broken in the same area that you're broke. What'd I say? Don't. If you're broke in the same area, don't find them. Both our arms broke and now we got to help each other. That's, that's silly. Who's going to open the door? Anyway. <laughs> Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. When we start in our finance series, I don't know why was why did Jesus give the man that was going to steal and kill him the money? There we go. There it is. All right, we're already in 2020, 2021. Jesus replied, do what? Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. Jesus already has foresight that he's about to die. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. (laughs) Once Lazarus comes back to the dead, comes back from the dead, Jesus is able to tell them, I'm not going to be here always. Since I raised him up, God's going to raise me up. Sometimes when God wants to do the really big thing in your job, he has to bless you first so that people can believe that he exists. (laughs) sometimes your family has a whole bunch of issues and you keep being blessed but your family gets upset with you because they think that god loves you more than them it's like no like if god can raise lazarus then if jesus can raise lazarus then god can raise jesus if god can give me a thousand more square feet in my house he can give you two more houses like if god can give me a child and you're barren he can give you triplets Oh, let me do we want better. If God can give me a business, he wants to give you management. It's not even this is conversation of he can or he will. No, he wants. Somebody needs to lift both of your hands. Like, God wants to bless me. Some of y'all are going to be even more bold and say, God needs to bless me. Because when you bless me, God, I'm able to sit at the table of other people that don't believe you like Lazarus. And when they ask me, bro, how you here? Oh, this dude sitting over here on my right. Pass the cornbread. But like, what did you do? I didn't do nothing. I just listened to the man on my right, so talk to him. Last point. This is the freedom part. This is it. Is this good? Yeah. This is it right here. Right on time. John 12, 9 through 11. Listen to this. Listen to this. When all the people heard of Jesus' arrival, they did what? They flocked to see him because it's Jesus. It's the man that, like, with a wave of his hand can, like, make everybody faint. Like, he's mighty. He's powerful. And also to see who? Lazarus, the man Jesus had raised from the dead. Verse 10 is the whole point of this entire sermon. Then the leading priests, remember, they had decided to kill Jesus. The leading priests decided to kill Lazarus too. Go to the next part, please. For it was because of him, it was because of him that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you mean to tell me that what pastor said four weeks ago was foreshadowing for today? Pastor Martin said four weeks ago that God will limit himself just to prove that he's better by you doing it. Didn't he say that? Go back and watch it. Did he not say that? That God puts limits on himself, right? Like when you say, whatever I want on earth, let it be in heaven. And God says what? Bet. And you say, God, whatever is in heaven, I want on earth. He says Bet, because once you open up your mouth, God says, so let it be written, so let it be done. Isn't it extremely interesting? I can't wait to be a professor. When I'm 70 or 80 years old, I'm working on a college campus just so I can, like, help people unbox the knowledge. I'm never going to show you. I'm just going to lead you so that when you see it, you're like, yo! I'm like, yeah, I know, right? I've been sitting in this class a whole semester trying to get you to the truth because that's what it means to be a pastor. We're just showing you the truth, and we're waiting for you to get it. Don't you see it? No, I don't get it. We'll have family series next year. We'll figure it out. And then figure out <laughs> For it was because of Lazarus that many of the people had deserted them and believed in Jesus. What I want you to do is when I get to that part that says him, I want you to put your name. <laughs> Freedom's about to like, like run through this place. Listen. For it was because of Joshua. It's because of me. Like I'm not better than God, but because some people came to my funeral, saw me sick, and now I'm walking around Now, because of me, many of the people are going to desert desert the way that they think. They're going to desert the way in which they run their family. They're going to desert the way in which they use their money. They're going to desert the way in which they think about God. They're going to desert the way in which they think, they feel, they move because God, greater is He that is on the inside of me than any other person that's in the world. So then it gets to this point where you don't start to play with sin and you stop playing with the stuff that's on the ground because you got to say, God, you got to free me because when you free me, more people's Eyes see you. So, this is what we're going to do. I need you to stand to your feet and begin to talk to God. Like, God, what? Like, you've been playing with some stuff for way too long. You've been playing with some stuff for way too long. Let's have the funeral today. God, there is some stuff on the inside of me. Talk to Him. Talk to Him. I've been in this grave for too long. I've been depressed. For 17 years. Like, I can't get this person out of my head. My heart has been broken. I'm carrying around defeat. I'm carrying around unforgiveness. But God, you said to Lazarus, come out. So I'm, I'm, I'm coming out. Come on, somebody say it. Like, I'm, I'm coming out of this place because I do not desire to be delivered and not be free. Come on, declare your freedom right there where you are. I declare that I am free. I am dropping the grave clothes in the, in, in the tomb. I'm not carrying this stuff out with me. I am coming out free. Come on, open up your mouth, AWC. Those of you that are online, come on, do it right now. I am not an addict. I have been delivered. Now I am setting myself free. And because of me walking out of this tomb, somebody else will get their freedom. Each and every one of you right now knows at least two different people that are bound in an area where you're free now. Begin to call them out by name. Come on, open up your mouth. I'm free, so I'm going into my workplace and pulling them out. I'm going to my granny's house and pulling her out. I'm going to the the grocery store and pulling her out. I'm going to my child that hasn't even been born yet, and I'm pulling them out. Come on, pull them out. Pull them out. Say, come out. Come out. Come out and be free. Come out and be sustained. Come out and be fruitful. Come out and be sustained in Jesus' name.